You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Tuesday, May 17th, 2022. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. Those of you viewing on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, be sure to smash that like, smash that like button, give us a follow, etc. Those of you expecting to see the Orlando Pace avatar for Dwayne Long. Dwayne is on sabbatical this week. We had to dip into the salary cap and bring in Pat Murphy. Pat, how goes it? It's good. I uh, will do my best to to step in Dwayne's shoes today, but no promises. They're big shoes. They are. Pat is now back and settled after his trip across the pond, where we were worried about his love for soccer possibly creating some kind of dual citizenship issues, but we will digress here. We're going to talk about Pat's article to start today that he wrote about Ohio State possibly building a dynasty. We've got some other great topics to get to, but any questions you might have on anything, football, basketball, recruiting, et cetera, Pat and I will take our best shot at it. Pat, you wrote a story earlier this week that created some interest on the message board as you are wont to do. And it was about Ryan Day possibly getting Ohio State up into the dynasty category. We've all seen the recruiting. I keep saying the zenith of recruiting, and I really don't know what that is anymore because, you know, they keep doing things that are that are almost incredible. What will it take for Day to build us into a dynasty? And are we just into another national title or bust discussion? Well, that was kind of what got me on this topic was, was listening to, to Dave and Jay book talk, talking to, to buddies of mine who really follow Ohio state about this year. And, and everyone kind of thinks that this is one of those seasons where the Buckeyes need to come home with a national title. You, you were close two years ago. Obviously last year was a down year. And this year, if the defense is anywhere near where we think it's going to be under Jim Knowles, then it should be good offensively under Ryan day. And you should have a national talent, national championship caliber team and then you look at the the recruiting you know Dylan Riola recently committing uh some of the other positions the wide receivers the way they're just stockpiling the talent at some of these really key positions and and it's starting to happen on the defensive side too which is what I think has been missing the last couple years that's where I think you can start to look at Ohio State as building into that that national championship you know continuous national champion contender And, and not that the Buckeyes haven't been but You know, they've played in one in the last few years. They've only won two since 2020. Uh, It's not been on on that high, high level, you know, that we've seen from Alabama, which is otherworldly, but even a Clemson who made that run. But I think when you start to, to have quarterback after quarterback after quarterback, wide receiver after wide receiver, 
you've got the offensive side taken care of, and now you've got a defensive staff that you trust, and they're starting to stockpile some talent slowly, but it, but it's coming around. That's when I think you have the makings of, of something special. And I know a lot of people were, oh, let's let's win one, let's pump the brakes. Uh, and I agree. I think that that you've got to get that first one done. Uh, obviously, the Buckeyes couldn't do that against Alabama a couple of years ago, but I think we all know that that wasn't a, a fair fight, uh, and that's nothing negative against Alabama. That was one of the best Alabama teams we'd seen, but Ohio State came in not full strength at all. I think if if that game had been strength on strength, it would have been a lot closer, and maybe Ohio State's a different perspective nationally. And then obviously, you have a down year last year with two losses, but I really think the Buckeyes are building something special this season, and then you just project it out. With, with the way they're recruiting, and I don't know when the Buckeyes slow down, it's at least on the offensive side. We need to see it on defense first. I obviously understand that, but I do trust Jim Knowles. I like the hirings Ryan Day made. Now you have experience coaching on that side of the ball, which is something that you didn't necessarily have a year ago. So the trajectory there is in a very good place. And, you know, I think without a clear second team to Alabama right now with Clemson kind of falling off, We'll see what if Georgia can keep it up. You know, they don't have the the passing game, the elite passing game. You know, there's some other teams that could come up, but Ohio State's right there to really take that that number two spot and then maybe push past Alabama. Who knows how long Nick Saban stays around and how long things keep rolling over there. You mentioned uh the quarterback situation. I do think one of the reasons you can pencil in Ohio State just into the mix is they're going to be in contention for the best quarterbacks in the country going forward. I don't want to say in perpetuity, but as long as Ryan is here. Yeah. And that really is the prerequisite for getting everything started as much as we, you know, go down the rosters and such. I I mean, I would say that um, the dude Stetson Bennett winning it for Georgia is going to end up being an outlier. And the outlier is they had like nine first round draft picks on defense. So I think it's much harder to put together that defense again than for them to get another good quarterback. So we will see. Um, I do get the sense that there is a little more pressure on day this year than there has been in the past, just because obviously losing to Michigan doesn't help. Um, that kind of opened him up to some criticism. He was not, you know, available for previous to this because his record was sparkling. So he's got to do it. He's got to beat Michigan. Obviously this year, if we were to lose to Michigan again this year, I could see people getting really antsy by the same token. Um, They're in great position this year. If you look across the board, I'm not sure there's another team that matches up with them. You know, you kind of got to be great in that one year, maybe that the other teams aren't quite as great. And um, they really haven't had that year yet, but we shall see. Other news, Noah Potter, defensive end. We knew he was transferring. He lands at Cincinnati. He'll play for Luke Fickle. We were discussing this before the show. How much do you judge the transfers by where they land? I think that's certainly a, an interesting way to look at it. And I mean, obviously, when guys leave here, they get calls from other schools, and, and that shows you what schools were, were interested. Now, just because they land at one school doesn't mean that other schools didn't reach out. Maybe it wasn't a good fit, but I think it's certainly a, a way to look at it. You look at a number of the guys that have transferred this offseason – landing at power five schools. We've seen a couple go to North Carolina, uh, USC programs like that, that are, that are obviously top, top tier programs, um, you know, in power five conferences, UNC is rolling. We think US, USC will be back in the mix now 
uh, here in the next few years. So that's a positive. But you've also seen some guys land at some secondary spots. Uh, Dallas Gannett, Toledo. You know, you mentioned it, Dan, that before we before we got on, you know, some of the linebackers have landed at places that maybe aren't the 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 marquee conference spots. So that does say something about where Ohio State was. And I think we all saw it on the field. The, the linebacker play has not been good enough, whether it's recruiting, whether it's then developing those guys, whether it's a combination of both. And that's a reflection on, on, on where guys end up. Kayvon Pope, obviously some connection with Eddie George at Tennessee State, but that's you know not even in, in the same realm of, of program as a place like Ohio State. That's quite a drop down for him. So I think that it is interesting to keep an eye on where these guys go how they do, um, you know, if a guy goes to another program like that and, and has success, you know, a Joe Burrow, a Jamison Williams, obviously Buckeye fans take pride in, in seeing guys that were developed in Columbus at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center do well. Uh, but if they go and they don't, then I think that's also a reflection on your program, maybe one we don't talk about as much. So, yeah, I think it is interesting to keep track of kind of where these guys end up and then how their career goes the rest of the way, um, you know, if they can can turn it around just because the opportunity wasn't there, or maybe they really weren't good enough for this level. I'm remiss and and forgetting the name, but we had a poster who put this on there that kind of jarred my attention to it. And that if you break out all the transfers, they pretty much everybody went to another who's who program, unless they were a linebacker. And the fact that we've struggled at linebacker and those guys haven't been asked to go to bigger programs is probably indicative of why there've been some struggles. There was also an announcement yesterday, a confirmation that the the Michigan-Ohio State game will be at noon. There's been a lot of discussion of big noon with, <coughs> excuse me, um, Texas and Alabama being announced as a noon kick. Does that matter to you? This is one of those topics that gets real Buckeye fans really fired up when that game is played in terms of when the kickoff is. I think there are some people that think if you put that into a national spotlight, you know, it'll drive the ratings, et cetera. But then there's the traditionals who like it at noon. How about yourself? I know for reporters, we want it at noon. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's right. it's easy for me to to give my answer. But, you know, growing up as an Ohio State fan, that was always what I was taught was, you know, last, last Saturday of the regular season, you get Ohio State-Michigan at noon. I will say that one versus two game in 2006, doing it at 3.30, getting to see it a bit under the lights was, was a nice – change of pace, but I wouldn't want that every year. I mean, if you have the opportunity where, where the two teams are that good, I could see you doing that every once in a while, but I like that it, you know, you know, when it is, it keeps its traditional time slot. I think seeing those two teams go against each other. I mean, usually it's, it's cold. You know, you don't, you don't need to get too late in the day for it to have that kind of gray, dark feel to it. Every once in a while, you'll get a sunny Ohio state, Michigan game, especially it seems every time it's up in Ann Arbor, it's cold. It's, it's gross outside. So you get that feel anyway. And yeah, I mean, I'm more on the traditionalist side. I'd prefer to have it at noon, know when it is. It wasn't a surprise, um, but you know, with Fox confirming it, I think that makes most Buckeye fans happy. And maybe every once in a while you change it up a little. I don't know if they'll ever play under the lights fully at, at a you know, primetime kick, but um, if you have another big one like they did in 2006, I could see moving it to a slightly later slot. But now you've got Alabama Auburn that's the second game of the day and there's some other games that happen that day so uh, I like that, that you get up you know it's on you get your day going and you've got Ohio State Michigan to to hopefully celebrate uh, another win this uh, late November 
would be interesting if you live on the West Coast. That's always been a yeah. 9 a.m. kickoff. One of our one of our go ahead. One of one of our posters posted that uh he'll be up at six AM starting to drink. So I think they uh those guys out there haven't figured out what to do for, for that one. Here's what's interesting. There'll be plenty of people in Columbus who'll be waking up at six AM to drink and don't need That's the true. benefit of West Coast time. So they have a real head start on those uh, on the left coast, but we appreciate our left coast fans as well. All right, we had a bunch of other stuff we were going to do here, but we've got a ton of questions. So what we're going to do is take a quick break for those listening to the podcast. Let me write down when this is. And when we take a break, those of you on video can just enjoy the handsome faces you see for a quick second here. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And there's our break. Here's our first question from where goes one. Dan and Pat will keep it 100. We've tried. Pat, does Ohio State have enough depth in the secondary? I think they're at the point now where we can put together a starting lineup we're comfortable with. What about the depth? I think there is decent depth in the secondary. Now, Jim Knowles has made it very clear that this is a safety-driven defense. He said that multiple times throughout spring. So you're going to need multiple guys to to step in there. You, we, we have an idea of who the starters are, probably Josh Proctor, probably Ronnie Hickman, probably Tanner McAllister, the transfer, but guys in behind them. And I think you saw some of that last year. You know, if Lathan Ransom is healthy after the, the broken leg in the Rose Bowl, he's a guy who can certainly step in. I thought he got better as the year went on last year. And obviously with some improved coaching, I think he can take a step. Uh, Cameron Martinez is a guy I know everybody wants to see. I think he's certainly a guy who will get on the field this year in rotation. So safety, you certainly have some cornerback. I think some guys are going to need to step up. You, you know what you've got as the starters, Denzel Burke and Cameron Brown. We've heard good things about J.K. Johnson and Jordan Hancock. We need mm-hmm. to see it. Um, so it would be nice to, to form some depth there. And then what do some of the younger guys bring to the table? So, yes, I think there's depth but I think a lot of it is still looking to be proven. There's a lot of possibility with, with what you can do with some of the guys behind. Um, but you know, you got to see it first, right? And, and the spring game doesn't count to me as, as justifying a guy is ready to go. So I think there is depth. I just need to, to see some of those guys and hopefully we'll get a chance with some of the early games after the Notre Dame game this year to kind of get those guys in, get their feet wet and get them going. Yeah, they hit the lottery last year with Denzel Burke. It's not realistic to actually think you're going to have a true freshman come in and be your number one corner and a very good one. Cam Brown, stay healthy. I think you're right. They're good at corner. The good thing is um, I think there were probably some guys who may have fallen out of favor with the previous staff, and maybe those are some of the guys who have transferred out. But a new coaching staff and, and Knowles really gives everybody a clean slate. And he's going to have a keen eye and maybe how to use some of the guys differently than the prior regime. Right. So I'm, I'm very optimistic. And like you said, just the idea of switching to a safety based defense when the passing game across the nation is expanding the way it is 
away from the Ohio State, I think, you know, big 260-pound middle linebacker approach. Uh, I do think it's going to be very beneficial, and I just think a new voice back there can be successful and quickly. Remember, Jeff Halfley came in here, and it was almost night and day from the year before. So um, I'm not saying Knowles will do as well as Halfley. He was a, a Haley's Comet of a young coach, and you can see he's already done real well as a head coach at Boston College, and I'm sure he's going to get some pro looks eventually. But it can be turned around year to year from a good scheme change, and um, let's hope that happens. Back to the Michigan topic from me, M. McCallwell. What's your feeling on Ohio State beating Michigan this year? Confidence rating 1 to 10. Go first, Pat. Pretty confident. I I think you see what Michigan's lost, just talking on the field first. You see what Michigan's lost. You know what Ohio State's bringing back. Again, we assume this defense will take a big step or at least a, a good enough step to to not force the offense into trying to score every time they have the ball or having to score every time they have the ball. So I feel good about it on the field. We'll obviously see what Michigan looks like once the, the games kick off. But just the motivation. I mean, every time we talk to these guys, it seems that this game comes up, whether the players bring it up or a reporter brings it up, it's on their minds. It's very clearly on their minds. And if they needed a, a reset button to refocus them on this rivalry, they certainly got it last year. I think even the new people that have come in, be that transfer players or coaches, are well aware of the situation and what happened. So I don't know if you can have a much more motivated team, and I think the talent will will be enough. I'm not going to go all the way to 10, but I'll say you know somewhere between like an 8 and a 9 uh, at this point. I was going to go 8.5 myself. Okay. Here's one thing I have not heard from Michigan that I would like to know the answer to, and I will bring it back to Ohio State for this. I think we all – I'm not going to say we took it for granted, but when we had that run of the Bosa brothers and Chase Young, the idea of just having a first-round werewolf – defensive end or two on the field at all times gives you a sense of calm and puts so much pressure on the, the opposition for sure. Let's see how Michigan does this year. As much as people didn't like them, Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo provided an edge attack presence. I mean, Hutchinson, you saw where he was picked Ojabo. I want to say he went in the second round of the Ravens only because he tore his Achilles. Yeah. That is a huge luxury. We've seen what it's like to have really, really good defensive ends. And then we've seen what it's like to have guys who are top five picks. They just changed the game. They had two of them. And it look, go back and watch the tape. It was hard to keep them out of the backfield. They do not have Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo out there. Um, Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones will get their workout from whoever they put out. But I think Michigan is really sleeping on the fact that they're going to have to do a lot more on defense um, and just being able to send out those two guys to create havoc and guard in the backfield. So I'm very confident eight and a half. And I would take the over is the elite quarterback and wide receiver recruiting, having a negative effect on attack on attracting top tier running backs. I'm having trouble here. If so, does Henderson need to have a monster year to show recruits what is possible in this offense? I don't know if it's necessarily that as much as it is the way that Ohio State's operated offensively. You know, Ryan Day, let's remember, a quarterback by nature, and so it's become a more pass-heavy offense. I mean, you know, obviously Travion Henderson was the top running back in the country. Evan Pryor was the sixth best running back in the country. So that's just a couple of years ago. You uh, you land those guys. And obviously, they've got Dallin Hayden coming in. They're in on a number of running backs. I think they already have one committed, right? for uh for 2023 so 
No, I don't think it's it's that. Now, maybe, it, you know, it, the Ohio State offense of the past where you are running it 30 times a game is more attractive to some of these running backs. But I also think running backs are aware. You play in a, an offense that scores points, that throws the ball around, that opens things up. I think in talking to Travion Henderson, that was an appeal for him to get into this offense, to be able to be a guy who can do a little bit of everything and also not have to carry the ball 20, 30 times a game. And, you know, you enter the NFL a little bit fresher when you're in an offense that has multiple guys, even multiple running backs. So, you know, I think it depends on the kid, but I do think Ohio State's doing just fine running back recruiting uh, better than, I mean, if you, if you look at where the guys that, that have come in are ranked, you're not going to land an elite running back maybe every year, but they, they've done pretty well. And again, they're in on a, a couple guys uh, this, this most recent class. I mean, the running back room right now, I can make an argument is as good as it's ever been in terms yeah. of uh, the way it lines up with talent and age. I think if the NFL could choose Travion Henderson would probably be the number two running back right now to be John Robinson. And I'm sure you've got some people who think Travion's number one. So that's a real good start to recruiting. When you go get picked in the draft, I say this every show, every single person who's going to come to Ohio state is probably the best player ever to play in their town. And they're all expecting to go to the NFL. So if you don't show them a direct route and fast, that's not working. Ohio State is still in the mix right. for guys like Richard Young and Justice Haynes. And I wouldn't be too worried about all that. Right. Let's see here. Next question. Let's TTT. We got a bunch of them here. It's been noon forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where? Okay. Where do you guys think Carnell Tate ends up? Carnell Tate is a star receiver out of IMG. Uh, Florida kid. He's been rumored to come to Ohio State. There are some crystal balls there, but he is the apple of many programs. I know Tennessee's super involved with the NLI. Do you think they get Tate in the long run? Very hard to doubt Ohio State on the wide receiver recruiting trail right. right now. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is I'm not uh, I'm not going against Brian Hartline and and the way that this staff has recruited wide receivers of late. You, know, you look at the his 247 bio page, the crystal balls are pointing that direction. I tend to lean on on our recruiting guys, both Tom Loy and Steve Wiltfong. Tom Loy, who covers Notre Dame, uh, and, and both do a great job, have that in. So based on that alone, I'm saying, yeah, I think he ends up a Buckeye. But as you mentioned, Dan, everyone is out there trying to land Carnell Tate. I think it's a matter of, you know, do you want to come in and be developed and kind of take the the sort of slow route as opposed to going somewhere and playing right away. You look at a guy like Garrett Wilson. It still took him most of his freshman year to really get on the field. So if you're willing to come in and, and recognize what Ohio State is producing wide receiver-wise, wise, know what you're getting into in an offense like this, then I think the Buckeyes are the place that wide receivers need to be. Um, and I think guys are starting to recognize, <clears throat> excuse me, the importance of that. So you know, based on that, what Ohio State's done and the projections there, I say, yeah, Carnell Tate probably ends up a Buckeye. Yeah, I'm no, I, if Brian Hartline's involved and Brian Hartline wants him, I'm going to assume Brian Hartline gets him yeah. for future reference. It did not hurt for Olave and Jameson Williams and Garrett Wilson to go in the draft. Bang, bang, bang. Guess what's also not going to hurt? Everything. I'll try that again. Every single mock draft, every single discussion of next year's draft 
has a certain hyphenated receiver right at the top. And Jackson Smith and the Jigba, who will probably leave Ohio State as the statistical standard bearer for all time. But it does not hurt to have uh, four receivers go, or four, three and a half, what will it be? If you count Jamison among the top receivers. And like we said, that's what these guys are coming for. Believe you me, Brandon Ennis and Carnell Tate and Bryson Rogers and those guys, Noah Rogers, those guys think they're going to be in college for about 36 months and then be cashing checks. So you got to show them how to do it. All right. Well, Cincinnati flair here. Morning, fellas. This is from Eric Russell. Go Bucks, who day, go Red Legs. Uh, those of you who know Dave Biddle know he is suffering through a Cincinnati season that is attempting to break records and do crazy stuff like throw no hitters and lose. I didn't even know that was possible. All right. Only 109 days till the Buckeyes crush Notre Dame's playoff dream. Speaking of which, give us a way too early prediction of that score. Once again, Ohio State opens with the Fighting Irish, now coached by former Buckeye Marcus Freeman. Al Washington's up there. It's a whole family affair. What's your vibe? I certainly am picking the Buckeyes based on what we saw out of Notre Dame in spring practice and their spring game. I don't know how that offense will keep up with Ohio State. I do think having a guy like Al Washington there does does help James Laurinaitis also on the staff. He obviously oh Lord, I forgot that. Yeah, he he was here in Columbus. He was doing local radio, but uh, you know, obviously very dialed in on what Ohio State was doing, doing Big Ten games as well. So both those guys help to some degree to to give some knowledge of of the inner workings at Ohio State. But I still think this offense is going to be too much. Um, it will be a good Notre Dame defense, no doubt, but. Yeah, I, I mean, if I were guessing now without really looking into what Notre Dame is, is bringing back at this point, I'd say, you know, Ohio State, you know, somewhere like a, a 45-24 type of game. Uh, now, I do say that with the the caveat that the Buckeyes have lost these home games recently. Um, usually it's the second week of the season, but these marquee home games, for some reason, you go back, look, they have not had a good record in these, but I think this will be the difference. I think I think the Buckeyes are just too talented, as I mentioned earlier off the top when we're talking about starting potential dynasties. This team's just too good. Um, Notre Dame just doesn't have the horses, I think, to keep up. And they will have no institutional knowledge of Jim Knowles's new scheme, yeah, which is helpful. Point. It sounds like Al Washington's going to be knowing the calls, etc. I go 50-20. I think Ohio State's going to come out like gangbusters. Keep in mind, last year, C.J. Stroud and Luke Whipler and Travion Henry, freshmen. Yeah. Freshmen and still did what they did. Now they know where the coffee pot is. It's the second day of work. I think those guys are going to hit the ground running. I have extreme confidence in them. So let's pull up another question. Da, 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 I'm sorry I'm not fast enough on this. Interesting. You've already talked on this. I think you have a little insight into this. What safety position will Latham Ransom play when he gets back? That's a good question. Um, I think we'll have to kind of wait and see a little bit with that just because he didn't take part in spring practice. So he didn't have a chance to get into Jim Knowles defense, didn't have a chance to kind of learn and have them learn him. Um, you know, obviously if this were a returning coaching staff, we'd have a better idea. I think he is fit to play more of that nickel position, that that place where I think Tanner McAllister probably is the starter. Cam Martinez can also fit in there. I think a number of guys can, but I think 
Jim Knowles will will take a look at what Lathan can do, both physically, what he's done in the past, and try and fit him in. Um, you know, obviously you have to be healthy, and I think that's the biggest thing. And sometimes these leg injuries can linger. But if I were to guess, I would say he's he's that kind of nickel spot, similar to what he played last year. But without having seen him, without the coaching staff having seen him, you know, I don't think they could even give a really good answer. Right now, it's just kind of a projection. Once he's healthy, I want to see Lathan Ransom in pass coverage. If you go, I uh, watched him one game when I was there. Very good coming up. Very good coming up to play the run. Very good being a physical guy. When he has to turn and run with receivers, he just doesn't seem natural at it yet. So let's hope that Knowles can get through to him there because – it's great to have a guy in the back seven who comes up to hit, but the days of just being able to be out there like Roy Williams or Chuck Cecil and knocking dudes' heads off, you're going to see guys going behind you all day. All right. Godfrey Day with one of our last questions. Fellow Gem City native. Good morning. Love your show. He's from Trotwood. How do you see recruiting for Ohio State changing doing the type of players we need for our new defense? I can take this one. Well, you've already saw what they're doing at linebacker. I think it's very helpful to get guys like Sonny Styles in there this year um, because things are changing. And C.J. Hicks as well, your rangier, mid-level linebacker types who are almost like guys who can rush off the edge and cover. And then those guys are key. And obviously, the defensive line recruiting, they probably do need to be a little bit better at defensive tackle. I don't think there's any question that at defensive end, they've recruited like gangbusters. And – uh I really think this year, like we talked about Michigan losing two premier defensive ends. If Jack Sawyer and JT Tuomolau can step into the kind of similar roles this year with Zach Harrison getting some press lately, I think they have a real good chance to be in real good shape. All right. Uh, right. Last question. What are the chances of Dylan Riola reclassifying and if not, where do we go for a 2023 quarterback, recruit one, or transfer portal? Oh, let me set you up on this one. Dylan Rayola, the number one player in the class of 2024 and the number one quarterback, obviously, verbally committed to Ohio State last week. On his birthday, he turned 17. He's only going into his junior. He's a sophomore now, so he's a little bit older. Once that happened, there was immediate discussion of, okay, will he reclassify? Because there's always been the belief that they're going to get Ryan Montgomery in the class of 2025 out of Finley. They have Devin Brown in the year ahead. That leaves 2023 in the hole. What's your general vibe on that? Well, I think Ryan Day certainly wants, I know, Ryan Day certainly wants a quarterback, a top quarterback in every class. And I think this situation would make more sense than, say, the Quinn Ewers situation where you have a guy reclassified to a class where you already have a top quarterback coming in. But I think it very much depends on what Dylan Raiola wants to do. If Ohio State has to find a a quarterback in that class, there's still some good ones available. Uh, I don't think the Buckeyes are done recruiting 2023 quarterbacks. Maybe it's not the the top five-star kid that, that we started to get used to with Ohio State recruiting, but I don't think you need that with, with what you've got coming in around him, and you never know kind of how things work out. So I think that conversation, if it needs to be had, Ryan Day and, and the staff will have it with him, but I also think the Buckeyes are, are in a good place with the depth that they have already and the fact that there's still some guys out there that, that you can land, and as mentioned – there is always the transfer portal. Guys are going in that all the time if they need to dip into that. But I think they're in a good place. I think they have a good plan 
set up. It would surprise me, I guess, if Dylan Royola classified, but if reclassified, but if he wants to get on campus sooner, start that clock towards the NFL. Um, the one thing I will say is that then that does cut some time off of potentially the back of his career. You know, I, I'm sure he's a guy who thinks he can come in and, and play as quickly as maybe even next year or if he does reclassify. But, you know, I think, too, you look at it from his perspective, you come in in 2024, that's closer to another quarterback battle being uh, being ready made at Ohio State. So, you know, certainly things to consider. I would be a little bit surprised if he did, because I think the Buckeyes will find somebody for 2023. Yeah, he, he faces no physical limitations to come here early. He's already a big enough kid. He could probably play football here next year size-wise. There are some guys who haven't fully grown by that point that may be a little bit of a concern. And I think they've got him where they want him right now, and, and they can always adjust it as they go forward. I don't think it's a much of an issue. Like you said, Ohio State's reputation for quarterback is such that it will not be hard for them to go into the transfer portal in a pinch and get someone they wanted if they had to. Guys get hurt. We don't know. Guys leave for the league. So the beauty of it is Ryan Day has become just a fountain of elite quarterbacks, and that's what you need to win games. So they're in real good shape. The quarterback situation here, I guess you could say the wide receiver situation is better, but it's a toss-up. And uh, in the modern era of football where we're going and what's really won in the recent years Things are looking real good for that. We really appreciate Pat stopping by. We love all your guys' questions. Dwayne will hopefully be back here next week because we do not have the salary cap space to do this again with Pat. You guys have a great day. Have a good one, fuckers.